Welcome to what you didn't expect in fertility, pregnancy, and birth. There's so many surprises each and every one of us meet in the course of getting pregnant, being pregnant, the birth, and postpartum. Oftentimes, how we think about our experiences reflects what we expected. For example, many people expect breastfeeding to be easy because it's natural. If it turns out not to be easy, they blame themselves. That was the case with last week's guest. In this mini episode, I wanted to learn a bit more about the science of breastfeeding. As I did in last week's episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Candice McGuire, professor of surgery at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine, who has done research on breastfeeding. Last week, she talked about the anatomical changes that take place in pregnancy and after birth to make breastfeeding successful. In this mini episode, she shares some insights about the intricate changes in hormones that have to happen to breastfeed. What is the trigger for breast milk to come in? So birth itself is really the trigger for breast milk to come in because what happens at birth is that the estrogen progesterone, which have been previously very high, dip down and the prolactin, which is produced by a, a gland in your head, basically, that skyrockets. And so that's what it makes the ability to produce milk is the decrease in estrogen and progesterone and the increase in prolactin. Okay. So if many things are involved, includes this crossing over of the hormones, the estrogen and progesterone dropping and the prolactin increasing, is that why it takes a couple of days for your milk to come in? Because those processes are getting fired up? Yeah. So the production happens pretty immediately, but for your body to react to those changes, it takes a little while for the prolactin to get to the milk producing cells and for those cells to produce sufficient milk, a lot of volume and the volume of milk that's produced even after those first 48 hours is widely variable from person to person and has absolutely nothing to do with breast size. Okay. That's interesting. And uh, so I'm wondering if, if these kind of collective triggers are what's inducing milk production, if things happen during the birth, if the birth is induced, if you have a C-section, if there's trauma, I'm imagining that has some impact on hormonal composition. Can that affect when and how breast milk comes in? Um, There've never actually been any studies in regards to that. We do know that, yeah, women who do give birth by a C-section do have a little bit more difficulty with those first initial breastfeedings, but it's unclear whether it's just because they've had surgery and received anesthesia. It's not necessarily the traumatic part of the birth so much as maybe all of the medications that one got to get you through a C-section. And then with inductions, very much hormonally to the body, very much like a natural labor that's been turned up to 20. So you still get that same hormonal stimulation. If it's a vaginal birth, you're still having that same process. So I think you see those those issues much less so with an induction. We certainly know that there are women who have very, very traumatic births, have blood loss, volume loss, and somebody who does not have the adequate body metabolism to, to support milk production somebody who's dehydrated, somebody who's got a low hemoglobin, things like that. Those are women who are going to have trouble due to the physiologic changes from the trauma of birth. Okay. So let's imagine for whatever reason you have trouble, either something happened in the, you had some kind of surgery. And so there's anesthetics in the bloodstream or Mm -hmm. something like Carlotta, who said like, she didn't notice much breast change. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And I think a lactation consultant told her it was a glandular issue, which I think is Maybe that means lobules, which is what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. 
Right. Can you override that mechanically, like with a pump? Um, some women can. I think what the pump is doing though is really just controlling the release of oxytocin, which is the other hormone that we haven't talked much about just yet. And oxytocin is the one that allows for that letdown reflex. So it's not stimulating the production of milk, but it is stimulating the release of milk. So you can have all the oxytocin in the world. And if you don't have any milk to release, you won't release it. But when you do empty, when one empties the breast, that does stimulate, again, the prolactin. It's like a feedback loop that says, hey, let's make more. So the more one empties the breast, theoretically, the more milk you will make. And so there are some women who initially have poor production who with, yeah, with a pump or, you know, or just, you know, manual expression can get that production up, but they have to have that physiologic baseline of the right prolactin, the right oxytocin, the right nutrition, the right, you know, fluids, they had to have had the hypertrophy of the of the lobules during pregnancy. Okay. And it sounds like we don't know um, the correlates of what's related to being able to produce more milk. There seems like there's a pretty big spectrum of people who can produce a ton and can give it away and some who can't Mm -hmm. produce it for their own baby. And we don't know. Yeah what directs that in the body? No rhyme or reason. No, there really is no, there's no known reason why one woman makes more breast milk than others. You can have a woman who's got an eight cup breast who can produce 120 milliliters in any given feeding. And then you've got some who are eking out 20 with a, with a D cup breast. It's, you know, there's, there's no correlate. And we talk about ways to increase milk production, lots of things, drink beer, or use these special teas. If anything, it's hydration (laughs) and a little nutrition. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Because of the complex things going on, you can't necessarily gin it up with the right supplement. Yeah. It's never been proven that any one supplement in any sort of study is superior to anything else, but certainly a person who is taking supplementation is probably also paying a lot of attention to their nutrition, their rest, their hydration. Somebody who is not resting enough, who's not hydrated enough, who has poor nutrition, somebody who's chronically ill, somebody who's experiencing a flare of irritable bowel syndrome or something while they're trying to breastfeed, they're going to have lots of trouble no matter what supplement they take. That's totally interesting. One thing in your list that I'd never heard before was rest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rest very, very much. So, I I mean, your body needs rest and we don't get enough of it as new parents. And so some people can function on very little and others need to really, really look at how much rest they're getting because your body doesn't have the actual energy to make milk. If you don't have the energy to feed your own body, your body's going to feed itself first before it feeds your baby. Okay. That's interesting too. I read something about circadian rhythm being an issue with breastfeeding. Is that true? I've actually not seen that, but certainly, I mean, I know that lots of new mothers and new parents in general, their circadian rhythm is completely out of whack, but I've not seen that in relationship to like volume of milk produced or anything. Again, it probably just harkens back to the fact that if your circadian rhythm's off, you're probably not getting good sleep. It was something about circadian rhythm affecting oxytocin production, like you make more at night. Yes, that is true. You do make more oxytocin at night. So yeah, I have not seen that data, but it makes a lot of sense. Okay. There's there's no way to increase your prolactin. That is what it is. It is what it is. Yes. The prolactin is made by your pituitary gland and it is a closed feedback loop. 
and there's no there's no extra prolactin you can take you know there's no prolactin support unfortunately okay and i'm imagining some fraction maybe not half of this is what your baby can do your positioning your yes. baby's palate your yes. baby's ability to suck and and that sort of thing which you also don't have control over Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Their ability to latch, tongue tie, things like that are things that, again, a good lactation consultant, a good pediatrician is going to be able to check and help you with, but it's not a lot that you can do. Nipple shields, things like that will help. Lots and lots of balm and lots and lots of trying are the only things you've got in your pocket. There's nothing you can do to, 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 to make your baby's mouth fit your nipple better. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Dr. McGuire for sharing this information. Join us on Friday when I'll release the rest of my conversation with Carlotta and more from my interview with Dr. McGuire.